Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, that when we begin to realize who we are in Christ and we begin to allow the fears that are within us become under you and in you and that we begin to see the joy of the Lord as our strength. And Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for the truth. We thank you for your many blessings. Lord, I just lift up all those that are going through things that seem overwhelming, Lord. But we know, Father God, that you are our deliverer. You are the one that sets us free. And, and you have done the work. And we just have to look at your word and get hooked up with you and with your word, Father God. And we give you all the praise and the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. We just thank the Lord this morning for his many blessings and for everything. Lord, I just, you know, I was just, this week, I just seen some people, found some people that are going through some things and, and um, you know, we got some out sick, some are on vacation, some are this, some are that. But you know what? God loves us so much and we have to realize that. That no matter what we're going through, no matter what's coming against us, you know, and sometimes we get in places and positions, probably most of the time, uh, it's, a, it's a product of our own doing. We, 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 and we're talking about strongholds. I, you know, what, three weeks ago I started this and then we had two interruptions and we just allow God to do what he wants to do. Amen. And last week was graduation. And we, but, you know, it's, it's all, I, I was look, thinking this morning, I said, wow, you know what? God's so good. He knows what's happening with everybody's life and he loves us. So, so this morning I'm going to give you a little bit of review of what, went on, what, what I spoke on the first part and then I'll finish it up, Lord willing, today. Amen. So, you know, one of the first things that you say, what is a stronghold? This is a stronghold continuation of that. And, you know, um, in the Old Testament, it was a more of a protection. As David, we talked about David and how David went into the cave to hide from King Saul. And God protected him there. And, and, and there are places that we eventually won't there to be protection in our life and and then when it gets over towards the new testament it's more it was it, the 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 greek word there was used more for um like a prison you know the difference between a prison and a place of protection is a prison keeps you bound where protection pulls around you and keeps you safe Amen? So um, one of the, the definitions that I stated before was a fortified dwelling used as a means of protection from an enemy. We all need protection from the enemy. You know, when we stand and we engulf ourselves in God and in his word, then we become protected from the enemy. So we look at it as a fortress, a place of protection. 
In 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5 in the New King James Version, it says, For the weapon of our warfare, weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And in the New Living, it says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So, you know, a while back I did uh, the series on the, the, the putting on the armor of God and what the armor of God is. And one of the things is that whole protecting our mind. And when we talk about a stronghold, you know, I think about something holding on strong. And, you know, we have foundations for buildings that are strong or not strong. Um, Jesus talked about the man who built his house on the sand versus the man who built his house on the rock. And when we build our house on the sand, when the waves come, when the water comes, when all that stuff comes, it doesn't hold up too well. But when it's built on a rock, guess what? It can stand strong. And I know um, that sometimes you have to dig deep. If you're in the sand, you got to dig deeper than if you're right there near the rock and you got to pour a great a good foundation for whatever it is you're building you know sometimes the whole my brother um i'll just use this as an example the whole thing can go away but the foundation can still be standing my brother moved an old house this has been years ago in the 80s and or 80 late 80s early 90s and it was a house that was in, in my family and he had it moved, they had to cut it in half and they moved it to where he was going to, where he had bought about 40 acres of land. And they put it out there and we had um, what they call a downburst. You know what that is? So when the winds come down, and it, well it not, he had just got it fixed at the back and the kitchen part, you know, back in the day they used to separate the kitchen from the rest of it, they'd build it on because they didn't have kitchens in the beginning. And it blew that off. So he started rebuilding that, the foundation was still there. Well, that was in 80s, whenever Hugo came. Then Hugo came, and you know what? There was hardly anything left of the house to be found, but the foundation. The foundation was still there. All the pieces of the house were blown to who knows where. And, but my brother had made a print of it, so he rebuilt it just like that, just like it was. So what I'm trying to say with that is, is for us to, to um, weather the storm, for us to deal with the things, we have to have a strong foundation, and that's in God's word. And that's in Jesus Christ, not in anything else, not in psychology, not in what everybody says. You know what we do a lot of times, and this is kind of, you know, one of my little sidetracks, but we, we so, we have been so instilled in what the world thinks and how the world thinks that we want to take 
And I'll talk about that a little bit later, but we want to, we have a thinking in our mind that thinks like the world and we just want to add a little bit of Jesus to it. And then we want to tell everybody, well, you know, it's just the way it's going to be, but we need Jesus. But yeah, we need Jesus, but Jesus came to change us, to change the way we think, to change the way we look at things. You know, I'm so far from what I was 45, 46 years ago in my thinking So a stronghold. Paul described the stronghold as, you know, lofty things raised up against the knowledge of God. Things that we put above the knowledge of God. Yeah, well, that's what the Bible says, but guess what? This is what science says or technology says or knowledge says. Listen to this last part of this definition that Paul gives us. It it's any type of thinking that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, thereby giving the devil a secure place of influence in the individual's thought life. Our battle is fought in the mind as much as anything. Probably more than anything else. The way we look at things, the way we think, you know, something happens and we have a choice. Yeah, it's bad, and yeah, it hurts, and yeah, all that, but we have a choice. Do we go forward? Do we stand strong? And guess who's looking at us? The world's looking at us, and they say, well, he's no different than me, so why do I want his God? Why do I want his Jesus? Because he can't handle anything any better or any different than me. And I, I read a statement, I'll read it again, from uh, Francis Frangipane. It says, what men call salvation is simply the first stage of God's plan for our lives, which is to conform us in character and power to the image of Jesus Christ. If we fail to see our relationship to God as such, we will allow too many areas within us to remain unchanged. Pulling down strongholds is the demolition and the removal of all these old ways of thinking so that the actual presence of Jesus Christ can be manifested. So a lot of people, salvation, we just get the first stage of who God is, who we accept him. He comes in, we change to believe in him. But we don't go any further. We don't be a student of the word. We don't be a student of what he says. So we, we, we just stop right there. We got Jesus, but nothing else is changing. Romans 6, 6 says, could it be any clearer that our former identity is now forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with him to dismantle the stronghold of sin within us so that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. This is Ed Silvoso. He says, a stronghold is a mindset impregnated with hopelessness that causes us to accept something that we know is contrary to the will of God. Sometimes we, we, we know that that's not right, right? But we go on and do it anyway. We know that that's not true, but we go ahead and think it anyway. And sometimes, and most of the time, it's because of the pullings of the people and the things around us that we allow those things to come in because we don't want... <laughs> what happens a lot of time is... is we want, you know, we have this thing, we want everybody to like us. 
So when I'm this crowd, I'll be this way. When I'm with this crowd, I'll be that way. And when I'm with this crowd, and you know what happens in that? You never get stable. You never can stand strong. So this is kind of where I left off last time. And we're going to talk about prison. This is the part in the New Testament that talks more about these strongholds, these things in our mind. Um, the definition for prison is a state of confinement or captivity. Did you know that your thoughts can captivate you? Those strongholds in your mind can captivate you. They can keep you at this level. And there are things that happen in our lives that are absolutely devastating sometimes. But we can't stay there in that devastation or we'll never go forward, we'll never grow, and we'll never be a help to anyone. See, we, God wants us to take those things that happen and learn how to go through them and then become a witness to somebody else. Become, for a better choice of a word, like a savior to someone else. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been through that, so let me help you. Let me tell you what I did. Let me tell you what God's word says about that. So you say, well, how did I get all this stuff in my life? You know, some, the, those of us who waited longer to accept Christ, we have more strongholds to get rid of. And I will say this, unfortunately, even after we accept Christ, if we allow him, we put more strongholds in there that we should not have ever done to start with. So where do these strongholds come from? You say, well, where do they come from? You know, to understand um, how to pull down the strongholds, we, first of all, we got to understand where they took root, how they took root. How did these things get into my thinking? How did they get into my mind? Well, all through our lives, there are places that we were or are that, 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 that um, determine these things. First one is our home environment. Or there's love or lack of love, the amount of love or the, uh, the lack of love. How much love was generated in your home? True, genuine love or, how, or lack of it. That can change who you are. That sets in place how you are a lot of times to other people. You know, things happen in our homes sometimes that, that um, I've seen people that they either don't want to be anything like that or they become like that. And it carries on from generation to generation to generation. Right? So that's one of the places that strongholds come from. It's our home environment, how, how we were raised, how we were brought up, the place that we live. The next one is the cultural environment. Let me give you a definition of cultural or culture. The customary beliefs, social forms, and material traits of a racial, religious, or social group. Also, the characteristic features of everyday existence, such as diversions or a way of life, shared by people in a place of time. Basically, a cultural environment is a set of values. We all have values. We set, in our homes, we set values, right? And we have to stick with them. And we, what we want to do is set the right values that lines up with what God's word says. And we don't want to change those. No matter what happens. No matter who, who um, would raise their head up and go against it. But culturally, the world around us, there's, the culture changes from generation to generation. 
Unfortunately, it seems to get worse and worse. When I was raised, there are things that happen now that I even accept, unfortunately, sometimes that would have never been accepted when I was raised as a child. Never, ever, ever. My grandmother would have just, I don't know what she would have done if she was alive today. So there's a set of values, but we can't allow the culture to set up strongholds in us. Our way of thinking can't be the way because what happens with that is it still becomes a protect, like as far as the enemy is concerned, see that's where our battle with him is, is in the mind. So when, as far as the enemy concerned, once you get that stronghold, he wants it to be a protection place. He wants to protect that. So when you try to bust, burst out of it or bust out of it, whichever you want to say, he is, whoa, 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 wait a minute. He starts putting this stuff. So it's a set of values. It's culture that's raised. And unfortunately, our kids today, especially with all the access to technology and all this stuff, and there's good parts to technology and there are bad parts to technology. And I, I would say if you're raising children today, you need to keep monitor that very, 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 very tightly. Because there's so much out there. I can say this, if you want to help with that, make sure that they get more of the word, more of, of godly values than they do cultural values. Don't, don't be the one that says, oh, I don't know what they're in there on the computer. I don't know what they're doing. Mm -mm. Sorry, they might say, well, you're too strict, Well. So culture, next one is peer values and pressure from those around you to, to be this way or to think this way. Oh, but you got to think this way. You know, we just need a little bit of Jesus and we just keep going on. It's, it, you know, a lot of people, Jesus is a trinket. I'm kind of ahead of myself in a way, but to a lot of people, Jesus is just another, what do you call those things? Charm on a bracelet. I can say I got Jesus. I got my ticket to heaven. And that's all I need. Unfortunately, that's wrong. So there's peer value, there's values of and pressures that pull into us. Even in the church, there's this pressure, this peer. And then there's fears of rejection and exposure. I'm gonna get into some of the fears and some of the strongholds, but there's a fears of rejection. Well, I don't want anybody to reject me. So if I don't have this certain mindset, if I change it, you know, when you first accept Christ, I know with me, I was, I had a lot of fear about what my friends would think. You know, I, back, you've heard me say this before, those of you who've been here a while, but when I accepted Christ, I took like a six month separation pretty much from my friends. And then one day I decided to go back. Well, you know, back then they had, you know, in the 70s, there were all these, we had T-shirts. They have T-shirts today, but, but you know, um, we were flower children and all that kind of good stuff. And um, I had one that said Maranatha, which if you're a Christian, you know that come Lord Jesus, where I had all this stuff on it, plants and all this kind of stuff. And when I first went, kind of went back into 
to visit my friends. So I felt like I could, see that was important to me and it was taught to me, you need to get a good stable thing before you go back in the, the jungle, right? I've been in the jungle before, stayed there two weeks. It's not a great place to be, especially if you don't have the right mindset. So I um, went back and I had this shirt, Mary Nothing, and one of my friends, oh man, look at that shirt, it says marijuana. I said, no, read it. <laughs> don't say marijuana. I was like, oh man, this is going to be fun. But you know what? I was able to witness to all of them. Some of them now today, not just not because of me, maybe a little bit, but a lot of them are, are walking with the Lord now. Some of them aren't. Some of them have left this earth. So there's fears of being rejected. I had that fear. Well, I don't do want to go around my friends. They're going to call me goody two shoes. They're going to say, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, stuff that I used to do to people. So I knew what that was like. And then exposure. You know, you, 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 you fear being exposed to that stuff again. How's it going to affect me? Am I going to run back into it? Am I going to go back into my old ways? That's why it's very important that we get grounded in God's word. So when we do, and when that temptation comes, we are able to withstand it. So I want to just give us a list kind of, of, of some strongholds. And um, these strongholds are basically a part, I think, of every negative stronghold. We need good strongholds in our lives. We need good places to stand. And that's a stronghold that the enemy or no one else can get in and change. That's what we believe. And we believe it. Amen. And we're not going to vary from it. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter how you pressure me. You know that the disciples had to have that really strong in their life. Because, you know, we, we're, we're upset about somebody not liking us and they had to deal with somebody trying to kill them because of what they believed. We as Christians haven't experienced that yet. Why do you say yet? Well, <laughs> part of every, these, these are parts of every, first one is fear. We talked a little bit about that. Fear is a big stronghold. You know, you have fears of this and fears of that and fears of speaking, fears of talking, fears of getting in front of a crowd, fears of, um, like I had a fear of heights really bad. Six foot ladder was, to me, it's like up there. I've overcome a lot of that and I can climb up on higher ladders. I don't really want to be up there. I don't have to. And you see that balloon up there? I don't want to have to go up there and get it. We were hoping it had been unfallen by now, but it's got some strong <laughs> helium in it or something. It's a good balloon. Y'all ain't noticed that, had you? Some of them like, what, what was that? Well, it's up there. I, I started, to, we started, we had some people that wanted to shoot it out of there, but we were afraid that it would go all the way through. And then anyway, um, but it's fear. But you know how you overcome fears? You resist them. The way I overcame fear of, I started working in electrical and construction. And one of my first things to do was, well, we got these 12 foot ladders and we need you to stand on top of them. And I said, mm -mm. That was back before OSHA was real strong. I was like, no es posible. I can't do that. Ain't going to do it. Uh, but you know what? Over the time I got, I prayed. I was a Christian at the time. I prayed. I did it. I 
got up on a ladder when I did not like anything about it. And you know what? I can get on a ladder pretty much better than anybody that works with, helps us in the church. I'm not saying everybody, but now Peggy's brother and her son will, they'd just jump up there and it'd be fine with them, not me. But I do the best I can, and I, and, I, and I overcame a lot of it. You know, a lot of that is what you see. If you go out here, and any of these hallways are nine foot, you get on a ladder. When you get above that drop ceiling, you don't even know where you're at. I can get up in there and work like crazy. As long as I don't look back through that hole and see the floor. So it's, it's, it's how you view things. It's how you view things. So, so fear is a big thing. And it's a part of every negative stronghold we have is the fear. Sometimes it's the fear of breaking loose from that. I've done this all my life, so why do I want to change? You know, some of us older people, whenever things started changing, um, as far as technology was concerned, we were like, oh, no, 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 please. When I had to start using a computer. They were green screens back then, monochrome, whatever they called them. And I had to learn to use them, and it was all commands. And whenever they changed to just using your mouse, I didn't like it. I want to put my F1, 5, 9, 6, whatever in there and do it that way. I was doing AutoCAD, and I was like, mm, 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 I don't want this other stuff. So there's a fear. Another one is resentment. You know, you can build up resentment against people. Because something happened. Maybe they did something to you. Maybe they accidentally did something to you. But it doesn't matter. You just resent them. That's, those are things we have. Because that puts a blockage. What happens with that, that puts a blockage between you and sometimes ever having a good relationship with anybody. Because you resent. So you got to get rid of resentment. You have to get rid of bitterness. Bitterness is a big stronghold in some people. And you ever been around people that are bitter about everything? Everything that happens. They're bitter. You don't, you need to get rid of bitterness. Something happened, yes. You know, one of the hardest things I had to do in my life was forgive somebody of something that really made me bitter. But you know what? It released something in me that I didn't know could be released. I didn't know the difference. I didn't know what it would be like to get rid of that. You know, some, you say, well, my relationship with maybe somebody in my family, whatever. But when you release that, your relationship will be better. People can feel whatever you have in you. It's bitterness. And the enemy wants you to have that. He wants you to grab hold of that. And he wants you to keep that because he doesn't want you to have right relationship with God or anybody else. And then there's, this goes right into unforgiveness. Well, I'll, ne I've heard I'll never forgive them for that. That's not good. It may not be easy and it may, been a, it may have been a horrible thing, but you have to learn to forgive. That don't mean you have to be that person's best friend, but you have to learn to forgive them. And you can't just say, oh, I forgive them. It's more than that. It's more than that. Jesus forgave us. God forgave us everything. What if he had been unforgiving? Where would we be at 
today. The next one's apathy. Well, I don't care either way. People, that's, do you know that's a stronghold? What do you think? I don't care. I could care less. That don't bother me. That's not my thing. You know, if it's, if it's happened to your family member, your brother, your sister in the Lord, anything, it does. You, you can't have apathy. You can't just say, well, don't matter to me. Some things need to matter. Unbelief. I don't believe that. I don't believe God can do that. I don't believe he'll do that. I believe he chooses who he loves and who he don't love. The word, God said he was no respecter of persons. He loves you just as much as he does. He loves the sinner just as much as he does you. Did you know that? Does that upset you? Hope not. Unbelief. I don't believe this and I don't believe that. I know some people that got more unbeliefs than they got beliefs. <laughs> people that deal with depression and they go through depression. And without the help of God, without that, it's very, very hard to really truly overcome depression. People take medicine, they take this, they take that, and that only works for a little while. And then sometimes it makes you worse in other areas. <laughs> depression. And I'm going to tell you that Satan, the enemy, will try to put depression on you anytime he can when something happens. Believe you me, I know. He tries to put that on me a lot of times. I know well, a friend of mine used to call it the mully grubs. But I want to tell you, we have to do what we can to come out of that, allow the word of God to do a work in us, not allow that to be a stronghold in our life. That will, will impede you from doing a lot of things. It will stop you, sometimes dead in your tracks. You can be, you see, if the enemy can get you depressed, you'll be going along doing it and the God, everything's working and it hits you and you just stop. Well, see, that's one of his ways of stopping you from furthering the gospel or furthering the work that God has for you. So you need to come against depression. You need to learn to, to let that go and not be a stronghold, break those walls down and put a wall of protection around that, let, allow the Lord. And then that can lead into anxiety. Lord have mercy. I know some people that are so, they have so much anxiety. It, it, it just, it, it overwhelms them. Everything they're, they're, they're anxious about. Oh, this is going to happen. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Look, in every part of your life, in, every, in, in, in your job and everything else, there are things that happen. But you know what? We got to keep our eyes on the Lord. We got to wait on the Lord. And we got to do whatever it is we're going to do at the right time. God's timing is perfect. And you know what? If you'll follow God's timing, even though you may not be ready possibly in yourself you got a lot of anxiety about what's going to happen if I do this if I move here or if I go here if God's told me to do this and God's told me to do that what happens just like God tells us in the church here at the church we make steps to do certain things and when we decide to do them there can be anxiety about it but we cannot let that be a stronghold or you know what you'll stay where you're at you'll never do anything more we can't do that 
If God told you to do it, you can. So you can't be anxious about it. Another stronghold is lukewarmness. The Bible says the Lord rather you be hot or cold. If you lukewarm, he'd spit you out of your mouth. Y'all know how that is. You know how if you get, you want a drink of cold water, you want what? Cold water. If you want hot coffee, you want hot coffee or whatever hot drink you like, tea, hot chocolate, whatever it might be. You don't, how many of you love to drink a glass of hot water? I like cool water. You know, when I'm on my lawnmower, it takes me a couple hours to cut my grass. And I used to have the, you know, put a water bottle. Well, by the time I get toward the end of it, it's getting pretty warm and it's really not that great. But now I have a thing called Camelback and I put it on my back and it's full of water and ice and it's got a little tube. And when I need it, I get me some water and I can go through the whole grass cut and it holds 50 ounces. I'll drink every drop of it. But it's good. It's much easier. I don't have to let go of the, I don't have to stop. So we don't want to be lukewarm. Lukewarmness can be a stronghold in our life. Lukewarmness will keep you from doing things also. Keep you from advancing in God. Another one is sinful thoughts. This is a hard thing. You know, there are all kinds of thoughts. And today, you know, there's so much, so many things out there that pop up that can all, you know, boom. You begin to think things you shouldn't think. And I'm not just talking about sexual things. I'm talking about hatred toward other people. You know what I'm saying? Or, or I don't like this and I don't like that and I don't like him and I don't like this and I don't like who's doing that and I don't know why Pastor Bill allowed so-and-so to do this because I don't like them and I don't like the way they look and I don't like the way they talk and I don't like the way they think or anything else. Those are sinful thoughts too. We're to love people. We're to look through whatever is on the outside to what God has on the inside and the breakthrough that he can give us and what he can give us. So we need to get rid of sinful thoughts. Lust. There are all degrees of lust. You can lust after things. You can lust after cars. You can lust after um, houses. You know, a lot of people right now, I want to sell my house. They, they're really bringing a lot of money. Yeah. I'm going to make a couple hundred thousand off my house. Yeah. Guess what you got to do? You got to go buy another one. And it ain't going to be cheap. So maybe stay where you are unless God's telling you to. Or if you're getting ready to move and you know you got to do that anyway, it's okay. We can lust after things. We lust after people. Pride. Well, I'm, you know, he, I'm Bill Knight. Did you know that? I'm the pastor down here at Image Church. I, I'm, you know, mm, I can do a lot of things. I'm great. That's pride. And pride can be a stronghold too. And it can ruin you. You may be able to do things. You may be successful. But pride can keep anybody from really liking you. Right? I'm trying to get through these things. Next is greed. I want everything I see and I see everything I want. You know, I used to tell people, if you talk about diets, I said, well, I'm on a seafood diet. I eat all the food I see. I'm just kidding. If I did that, I'd be way bigger than I am now. But greed. 
I want this and I want that and I will do, you know, greed will cause you to do anything, no matter whether it's right, wrong, illegal, immoral, anything else, greed will cause you to do anything to get what it is you want, if that's a stronghold in your life. Learn to be satisfied with what God has given you. And when the time comes you need something else, he'll provide it. He says in um, the sixth chapter of Matthew, he provides us with our needs for life. And then another one is drugs. You know what? We need to turn to Jesus and not drugs. I know we've heard those slogans before, but drugs only can give you a little bit of release. I'm not totally against drugs, but I do say this. It's easy to be abusive with drugs. It's easy to take on things, but if we can work another way around it, we need to do that. Drugs can take you nowhere fast. They, you can be so addicted to them. They can be such a strong, and there are certain drugs out there that it is almost, be, besides a miracle from God, you cannot break that habit. There are some drugs that are that strong. I want to be drugged on Jesus. I want to be drugged on his word so that that drug, I don't, I don't want to be broke from that. Alcohol, which is basically another form of drugs. I've seen people, I've seen people in my family, alcohol ruined their lives. And see, a lot of people say, well, it's just alcohol. It's not the same as drugs. Yes, it is. It is. Anything that you're addicted to. And then the last one I have is pornography. In this day and time, that is so readily accessible. It's ridiculous. And it'll even pop up in things that you're not even planning on doing it. It's a very addictive thing that can ruin your life and those around you. So all of these things are things that, that we have to realize that are strongholds that we need to be working on to get them out of our lives. And I will say this, don't toy with any of it. See, sometimes because you know, we have a tendency to excuse ourselves. Well, you know, it's just a little thing. It's just a, a movie or it's just a TV show or it's just this or it's just that. It's just a conversation. Because of that, it's hard for us to, to discern these oppressive things that can be in our lives, this oppression and depression and everything else that comes. So we, these are our thoughts these are our attitudes. These are our perceptions. So we, we tend to want to defend that. We, we tend to want to defend those things because, you know, they're our faults. So we don't want to defend our thoughts as much as we want to defend ourselves. We justify ourselves in that. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. That's why it's important. The mind is the biggest battlefield that there is, I said before. 
But before real deliverance can come about, before real, the real breaking down of these strongholds can come about, we first of all have to recognize it and confess it. Lord, I recognize that this in my life, I cannot get anywhere around it. Watch, make sure I don't step too far. I can, because I know of the stronghold that he may have been in the past. I may have broken it. So, you know, you have that 30-foot pole you keep like this for things like that. But we have to recognize that and we have to confess that need and say, you know, this is, I can't do it. I can't be around it. And then I want to give you a couple of faith principles for pulling down strongholds. So what we need to do is we need to tear prisons down and build fortresses of protection around that part of our heart, our lives, our mind. Second Corinthians, again, 10, 4 through 5, and the New King James says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of God. The first thing we have to do is bring thought, our thoughts into the captivity of God. In other words, we're going to say, I'm not going to think that way anymore. I'm going to find out scriptures that will help me. I'm going to meditate on God's word. I'm going to read his word. I'm going to meditate on it to a place. And I'm going to replace those thoughts, those fleshy thoughts with God thoughts. And you can't do that just by saying that. You've got to be active. You've got to get into the word and you start reading things. And you know what? You can find in the scripture God's word that addresses everything. This is what God's word says. When, and when you learn that, those are the scriptures and stuff you need to memorize. So when things come up, say, no, this is what God says about it. This is what the word of God says. So I'm replacing these thoughts with what God says. And another thing we have to realize, to me, is one of the biggest things that we got to realize in, in this fight is that Jesus is not just our Savior. What do you mean? He's not just our Savior. Jesus was our model. He's the model that God put on the earth to show us what's typical for the new creation man, for what is typical of this new creature in Christ. The Bible says we're a new creature in Christ. We, a lot of us don't want to grasp hold of that. He's not just our Savior. He just doesn't give us a ticket to heaven. He just doesn't free us from hell, frees us from our sins. He's the one that's living on the inside of us that conforms us to his image, to be more like him. He was the firstborn, according to the Bible, according to the word, he was the firstborn among, um, uh, um, in, he was the firstborn of a family of glorious sons. He was the firstborn in the new family of Christianity, of Christians. We're, we're part of that family. So, you know, when, when our thought life's in agreement with 
unbelief, it's agreement with fear, it's agreement with habitual things. The enemy can rest as far as you're concerned because he said, I got him right there. Got him right there. I can rest. I can go on to somebody else. But you know what? He doesn't ever stop looking. The Bible says he's as a roaring lion seeking out who he may devour. So when you start to dwindle, he's going, hmm, I better get back over here. Because Bill's kind of waking up. He's kind of, I better get back over there and sock it to him. <laughs> and we bring those thoughts into captivity. We realize that Jesus is not just our Savior, but we bring those thoughts into captivity to what? To the obedience of Christ. See, what Jesus has done for us and, and, the, and his, the God's goal in us breaking these strongholds it's much more than just seeing our burdens lifted or the devil taken off of our backs. His purpose is to conform us to the image of Christ, to the image of his son. This is, I put him on the earth. You have his word. I've given you the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. This is what I want you to be like. See, we think, well, we can never be Jesus. You're right, but we can be what Jesus was on the earth. We can be the representation in the earth. That's who we are, whether we know it or not and whether we do it right or not. But if we can learn to break, whole, break these strongholds down, we can walk in what he supplied for us. We can walk in what he wants us to walk in. Because see, Romans 8, 28, 29 talks about all things working together for, to the good of those who love God. It says he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. He didn't just pull out your name and say, I predestined him. He's all, everybody that accepts Christ, he predestined, he predestined you to be in the forms of the Son of God. So one way we can realize the victory we have in God, the victory we have in Christ, is to reach toward that ultimate goal, and that's the transformation to the likeness of Christ. We're reaching toward that. We can realize the victory that's in that, the victory that Christ walked in. See, the devil's, I want to give you a little wake-up call. The devil's not afraid of you. But he is afraid of the Christ who lives in you. Amen. And it's only when we allow that Christ to live through us that we can defeat the enemy. Victory begins with the name of Jesus on our lips. In Jesus' name, I come against all those things in my mind. And then, you know what? Then we begin to change the way we are. We just don't say words, but we say words and then we act upon them. We begin to change the way we think. So we need to present every part, every area in our life. We need to 
Give it to God. Say, here it is, Lord. You help me with it. You show me what to do. We need to start, stand firm against the enemy and be strong in our faith, in our belief. How do we do that? By being sober. <laughs> no words, let's think straight, think right. Right-minded, an unsober person doesn't think right, right? You've been around somebody that's on drugs or alcohol, they don't think right. Have the mind of Christ and accept the fact that you can have the mind of Christ. The Bible tells us that we have the mind of Christ. Paul said it in Corinthians. And we also need to be vigilant. The, the definition for vigilant is alertly watchful, especially to avoid danger. Keep your eyes and your ears open. When you hear those little things coming, be ready. You know, like um, if at night when you do, you know, you hear these little sounds and you're like, what, what is that? We need to be that way all the time. We be like, what is that? I hear moving. I need to get ahead of that. I need to make sure when that thing tries to get closer, I'm going to be ready for it. Yes. You ever spend the night in the woods and you hear something? When I was a kid, we used to camp out. We didn't have tents. I slept in a refrigerator box one night. But there was a tent, but my older brother and his friends got sleep in the tent, but they allowed me to sleep outside in a box. And in the middle of the night, I heard something, and then I felt something. It was a snake crawling across my legs. He'd gotten the box with me. I had a choice to freak out and tear the box up, me and him and everything else. I just laid there and let him crawl on out, and he didn't bother me. I wasn't affected by his presence. I just thought about that. That's not a bad thing to say. I wasn't affected by his presence. We don't need to be affected by the enemy's presence. First Peter 5, 9 in the, the Passion Translation says, take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kinds of trouble you endure. In other words, you ain't the only one going through something. Excuse my English or like it, whichever. You're not the only one going through stuff. And then we need to be steadfast. And that means firmly fixed in place and immovable. I am immovable from God's word and from, and from what he says. I don't care what happens. I'm immovable. I am standing strong and I'm standing on the rock. And that's not arrogance or pride. That's believing in the word of God and standing strong. The second Corinthians 10, three through six that we've been reading. I want to read that as I close to this morning in the um, Amplified. It says, for though we walk in the flesh as mortal men, so in other words, we're walking in the flesh, guys. We live in a fleshly body. We live in a natural body, and we have to walk in it. But we have to remember we're not carrying, we are not carrying on our spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using the weapons of man. We can't do that. We have to realize we're spiritual beings on the inside and that's who we really truly are because like we all know that this body's going to expire one day and when it does, we're going to be left but we're, we're a spiritual being. So that's the way we fight. 
Not the way man fights, not the way the flesh would fight, but we fight with our spirit. The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. They don't work against the enemy. They don't work against the darkness of this world. What works against that is the spirit of God and his word. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We're talking about that. We're destroying sophisticated arguments. Arguments that people have come up with that are sophisticated. Oh, well, I'm intelligent. This is what it said. There is no God. And every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. We're putting it under Christ. Every thought, every purpose, we're giving it to Christ. We're putting it under Christ. Being ready to punish every act of disobedience when our, your own disobedience as a church is complete. We know when that will be. When Jesus comes back. So what I want us to understand is that there are strongholds in our life that we need to address. And we go through some things in our life because we don't address those things. And every time it comes up, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. We go through the same thing. We need to learn to grow. We need to learn to grow and to get past those things and to go into, you know what, into a place where, hey, guess what? I found release. I found joy. You know, there are people that, even though you may not know it, they're, they're crying out to you because they have things going on. And sometimes we just look at them and we say, well, you know, they're just lunatics and they're just crazy people and we just don't need to pay attention to them. But they're, they're crying out. A lot of times when they tell you stuff or when they're doing stuff, they're crying out. They need that Jesus that's in you. They need that steadfastness that's in you. They need that um, to know what is going on inside of you and makes you tick. And I want to say we have to learn to be very sensitive to God's spirit so we can say what we need to say when we need to say it. And don't say what we don't need to say when we don't need to say it. Be sensitive to him. You know, and there are things that are happening in your life that that you cannot understand. And you know, there's something you think, I don't know when I'll ever get rid of this. But you will. But you know what? You have to deal with it properly when you're going through it. We have a smell in our building that we do not understand. And now it's settled down in my office and it won't leave. And I've just about come this close to just cutting holes in the wall and trying to find out what it is that's dead in my office anyway. Um, but it's gone one day. It's not as bad as it was. It went through the building in two or three places and it settled in my office. It's just crazy. But you know what? We deal with it. So I'm saying there's strong things in your life that happen and you have to deal with them until they're gone and you can only deal with them if you're steadfast. Amen? Let's stand this morning as we close. And, you know, I, I want to, I just want to pray with you this morning. You know, maybe you got something in your, your life that you said, man, it's just big in my life. And I need 
the power of God in my life. I need the Spirit of God working in me. I need to do the, and, I, I, and I'm hearing these things and I wanna do these things. So if that's you this morning, raise your hand. I'm just gonna pray for you where you're standing. Maybe you're out on, online and, and you just, you're sitting in your chair and you're like, you know, Lord, I need deliverance from this. I need wisdom in this area. So Father, I pray right now for those with their hands lifted and those who are at home or wherever, maybe next week you're listening. And I pray, God, that you open up their hearts and show them your word. You bring some, someone into their life that can help them. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're not just our Savior, but Lord, you are our deliverer, you're our our Lord, you're the one that brings us through. You're the one that's walking right beside of us. And Lord, you feel every hurt that we felt. You, you, you know every need that we have. And Lord, you're right there with us. So I pray, I lift up those families, Lord. I lift up those that I, that I know that are dealing with things that, that's just way out there. And Lord, I just pray that, that in this, the midst of this, there's... Somebody in particular I'm thinking about, at least two, two different ones. That Lord, in the midst of this, that they will see you. And that they may need to wake up. They may need to wake up and say, wait a minute. I'm not gonna have peace till I turn it over to you. I'm not gonna have real peace. I'm not gonna have real understanding. I'm not gonna be able to figure anything out. So Father, I just pray right now, Lord, wherever there, I, there's another person just came, there's three different people, families, people that right now, where they're at, Lord, just go in there, in that room, in that house, in that place with them and minister to them. Lord, and I just pray they would reach out to someone and you would be able to minister through that, whoever they reach out to. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your power. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for all that you're doing in and through us. Thank you for our future, what you have in store for us, Lord. I know, Lord Jesus, that, that there are so many things that you want us to do. And the enemy would try to stop that, but he can't. Give us boldness, give us wisdom, give us strength, give us grace, and give us what we need to do what you've called us to do, Father. Thank you and praise you, and I give you all the glory in Jesus' name, amen. I pray you have a great week this week. If you say, well, I need to hear this again, you can go on and hook up on our podcast that's put out every week, usually Monday or Tuesday. It's, it's online, and you can go and you can listen to this again. God bless you and have a great day afternoon and a great week. Thank you, Pastor Bill. Um